I'm Annie Fox. And I'm Laurel Pinson. And this is Workwives, conversations at your desk with the woman who knows you best. Laurel Pinson, my work wife. Yep. We discovered something really interesting as we tried to open the glass doors to Glamour on uh, the 30th floor the other day. And that was, we have never had a conversation about religion. Never. I don't even know what... What what you do? I know what you. I don't would know do what around you holidays. Do. And I know a lot of stuff about you that has nothing to do with work and intimate stuff, like yeah. you know, not stuff <laughs> and that dumb you just, stuff and dumb stuff. I know a lot of dumb stuff. So it's interesting that we've never once had a conversation that has led us to religion. Isn't religion? Isn't it like religion and politics are the two things that you're just never supposed to talk about? That's true. But we talk about politics all the all time. All the time. It's like eighty percent of what we. T- That's not true. Snacks and is other probably eighty percent of what we talk about. But I mean, we talk about a lot of other things that you're not supposed to talk about. Sex, but you really don't talk about religion. No, we don't talk about religion. I feel like I'm about to come out to you now. I know. I'm curious. I'm atheist. Really? Yeah. I could you totally that. see oh, that. Okay, right. I could totally see that. How about, how about? I don't know what you. I don't know what you are. I don't even know how to ask the question. <laughs> I know. What are you? What are you? I'm agnostic. Mm-hmm. I grew up Presbyterian. Yep. Um, and there's certainly things about myself that I think are still kind of Presbyterian, which is interesting. Oh, that's so funny. I feel because, the same way about Catholicism because I was oh, raised Catholic. You were ra- oh. So I'm like, oh, there's some things about me that are just still so oh. fucking Catholic. This is like when you meet Guilt. somebody's parents for the first time and you're like, oh, now this part mm. makes total sense. That's definitely a big decision to have made to sort of be raised Catholic and switch to atheism because atheism to me feels quite definitive. I guess I just the, – the box of unknown things to me always feels like it just goes back to – science that we mm. have, we don't understand yet and i th- like the thing that i think really helps me understand why i identify as atheist um is that i just like look around the world and see that a tree doesn't need anything other than what the world gives it to be a tree and so i just have like my version of faith is that th- the world delivers what i need and that's not a divine thing it's just science that we don't understand yet that's very but life still feels magic i mean that's the thing about being an atheist that people think they're like oh it's just no magic in your life. <laughs> you like, you know, because there's nothing that makes you wonder or nothing feels mystical. But I think that's just the opposite of true. Like you fall in love with science and you fall in love with space and you fall in love with things you don't understand all the time. Yeah. yeah. And I would agree with that. I mean, as a great lover of science in general, um, I totally agree with that. I never thought that atheism felt sort of sad. Are you looking for – like do you – I always think of – I mean I – I know. It yeah, is, like, I, is there I a think, search? I really do think of myself as a seeker mm. in general. Yeah. Um, and in the same way that you're sort of like mystified by science or mystified by other things, I, there's for me there's just another category of things that mystify me. I've just definitely been in places that had energy. Mm. I would and agree I, Not to get like all crystals-y, <laughs> but I really believe in – energy and the energy of spaces and I have found that very hard to qualify or to describe using science and thus and thus don't you think it's interesting that we just we talk about other things in the workplace that define our identity right like we talk Mm -hmm. about weirdly there's opportunities to talk about your sexuality weirdly there are opportunities maybe it's not weird opportunities to talk about your gender identity and your race and a million other things but there just doesn't seem to be a natural way to talk like to have a dialogue about your religion definitely not at work it always just feels like we do as little as possible to acknowledge that people obviously have some religious or spiritual affiliation um but it kind of seems token i mean it's neutered for sure neutered is a good word neutered is a little bit more hopeful than my word which was token (laughs) so in this episode we are 
taking a professional risk and talking about religion. Everyone in HR from Condé Nast, turn your phones off now. (laughs) (laughs) And we've enlisted some very smart and talented people to sort of serve as coaches. In this episode, we're going to talk to two people who have actually made religion a part of their profession. So we'll be talking to Ahmed Ali Akbar, the host of See Something, Say Something over at BuzzFeed, um, and also Ivan Auger from HBO's Insecure. We are here at BuzzFeed. And we are talking to Ahmed, the host of See Something, Say Something. An amazing podcast, really about being an American Muslim. That's right. Hello. Hey. Thanks for going, letting guys? us come to you, too. Thanks, thanks for having you me. You guys have superior snacks. Um, your snacks I don't know what superior. your snack situation is, but our snack situation is very good. Yeah. Yes. yes. We, we noticed. Yes. yes, we noticed. Um, okay, tell us what you do at BuzzFeed, Ahmed. I'm a staff writer at BuzzFeed. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, that means that I write a lot of different quizzes and lists about what I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, probably my top two things I'm most interested in are video games and being an American Muslim, <laughs> which, are not, which are not very, you know. It is. It's like granola and Greek yogurt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that go together. Uh, so we started the podcast, See Something, Say Something. And I'm the I'm like the only host. Um, and we basically, the idea is to get a lot of different American Muslims in a room with different experiences and have them talk, like sort of like similarly to you guys, like as they would if they were like at home drinking a cup of tea and like talking about how fucked up the world is, but also <laughs> like the funny things in life too. Right. Yeah, just like to sort of make it so that uh, Muslims don't have to like respond to the media, you know, just yeah. sort of that, like that we're able to talk as I would with my friends, you know, mm-hmm. and sort of put that out there and not worry about, you know, overly explaining yourself. We've been talking a lot about religion in the workplace or the lack of conversation, at least in our workplace around religion. But you have made, I mean, your job now is basically right. talking about religion in the yeah. workplace. Um, tell us a little bit about that experience. I feel like being Muslim is not something I could ever hide. Right. My name is, uh, you know, I have three Arabic names. I'm, and I'm, you know, I'm not Arab background. I'm Pakistani, but I have these very Arab Muslim mm-hmm. names, Ahmed Ali Akbar. And, you know, I'm like a brown guy with a beard. So it's like people generally tend to assume I'm Muslim anyway. Yeah. And also it is part of my life. Before I was here, I was like doing a like graduate degree on American Muslim anthropology or some <laughs> dumb shit that I thought would change the world. <laughs> but instead like, you're changing the world through listicles. That's right. right. I was like listicles. Do not underestimate the power I would never underestimate. I think your reach is probably much higher. Amen. So there's like two aspects of it. One is obviously like, you know, I'm a writer who's writing about it. The other is like, I'm a, work, a person who's, this is part of my life. And it's also like the interpersonal relationships. And I, I brought them together. But it wasn't always like so easy. Especially in New York, there's like a lot of people want to um, not appear offensive so they tend to let me run the conversation about religion in a way um not that i talk about it that much but i like do try to like bring it up you know as a muslim i i would say i'm more religious than i'm spiritual Mm -hmm. you know i'm not like somebody who's gonna like talk to anybody about god ever anyone like i'm not comfortable talking about that actually Mm -hmm. but i do find something powerful in like the community of muslims that Mm -hmm. i'm i've lived with and the ethics and morals that i was raised with one of the ways in which i i I connect myself to my community is every friday i go to friday prayers Mm -hmm. and i don't like pray that much otherwise so like nobody ever asked me like what do you do on Fridays? <laughs> like, why do you go? Do you, you wish know? there was more of a conversation? Do you wish there was a more or more of an ease that existed around talking about it with non-Muslim friends in the office? 
in the office, I'm not sure. It's yeah. like, I'm glad I'm not hiding it. Right. But maybe it's good that it hasn't gone past that. It's like in New York, you also have sort of that privilege of like, um, it not being hoisted upon you. I just think, you know, one of the things that we talked about in our own conversations was how religion feels like the sort of last area of individuality that isn't really expressed yeah, outwardly. Yeah. Like, you'll talk about anything else, but religion, I feel like, really is the last thing that in the office is sort of verboten. I think it's just hard to talk about, period. Not Like, in the modern world for, like, young mm-hmm. people. Like, when I'm with my Muslim friends, it's not like we're, like really going hard on religious conversations. <laughs> right. We're, like, mostly talking about how hard it is and also yeah. how shitty, like, obviously, the political climate is now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so many of my friends who are not religious, for the most part, feel Muslim, like, Islamicized or yeah. Muslimicized. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. they feel like they have to adopt this identity in opposition, but they struggle with their faith. What, what, one thing that I think you described so perfectly well is that, the sort of maybe the more comfortable dialogue we have around the community yeah, aspect yeah. of religion, but then not so much the belief. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that's something we could do more about. Yeah. Like, I think I'm really interested in learning about my Jewish colleagues, like who are from New York. Like, I don't know much about the Jewish community here, but it has like a rich and very beautiful history that I don't know enough about. And like, yeah. people will be like, you know, I'm going to do X, Y thing. I'm not really religious. I'm like, that's okay, but I want to know about the people in your life. Those people are clearly important to you. And to me, like, I'm always going home to visit my family for Eid or for Ramadan or whatever. And I try to tell people about that, too. Obviously, look, when you're fasting during Ramadan, uh, you want to eat. You, when you haven't eaten for 16 hours... <laughs> You want to eat with people you're comfortable with who know you at your very worst. You know, where you're just like, you'll be like, shut up. We need to watch some TV and eat some dates and, you know, eat, eat some, some fried food. Um, you know, like, so I go, I would go see my family all the time. I like to, I, I think it's important that people know that that's an important aspect of who I come from and the yeah. kind of person I am. The workplace could be such a really great way to interact and meet and learn more about people who come from not only different backgrounds in terms of like where we came from from America or where we came from in terms of our economic backgrounds but yeah. certainly our cultural backgrounds and religion yeah. is certainly part of our culture. I think if we approached it and really looked at the lens of the culture of religion totally. and really was more all more open to talking about that. Yeah. That's an easy way in to inviting more of this discourse right. in a place that should be and could be a really safe environment. Yeah, like theology and morals are like, those are touchy, but I think yeah. we can agree that so many people, even if you're not religious, the cult- like you're, the culturally religious stuff, you people like doing Hanukkah, people like doing yeah. Eid, people like doing Ramadan, and that's something that like should we should be able to talk about more and not feel like you know, it, it comes packaged with this other deal. Like, you don't really know what people are thinking, what their belief system is. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today, Thank, Thanks for having me. Yes. It was a lively conversation. You were going to steal more than one mint on the way out. Go I on. will try to steal more things on the way out. We'll, we'll go get you a, a pocket full of mints. So. <laughs> Luxuriate mints. <laughs> I thought what he said about culture and like breaking religion down into culture and belief and mm-hmm. how those two things can play out mm-hmm. differently in the workplace was really cool. I also think that it it means a lot that that you can have 
an entrance into talking about religion at work. Right. Like, I felt like that was a really mm-hmm. good place to arrive at, mm-hmm. you know, where it doesn't need to be verboten. So Simone Kitchen sat down with um, Ivano G from HBO's Insecure, who is also a Christian comedian, to ask her about the interplay of religion and work. So, Vaughn, I'm super excited that you're here. I'm a huge fan of Insecure. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. Your Twitter bio says, Jesus and I roll tight. We roll tight. (laughs) Can you tell me me about your relationship with religion? Yeah, well, you know, um, I... I'm Nigerian, so you know we were colonized by the British, and you know with colonization came Christianity. So most Nigerians are a Catholic, and you know I was I was a good Catholic girl. I went you know confirmation and all that, but then it wasn't until I was a freshman on um, campus at GW that I ran into this like kind of like new age radical woman, and she was like, "Come on to this Bible study." She made God sound cool, like like he was her friend, and I was like, well, "I." No, that's no. I I just I pray and I say seven hell Mary sometimes when I do things wrong. But I'm like I don't have this deep personal like like I want to know God like you know Him. I think it's interesting this dynamic that you actually in college or a place where a lot of people sort of you know do lose abandon. Yeah, that you you felt more um, stronger than ever. Yeah, well you know I went to an all girls boarding school for high school, so I, a, a part of me like when I got to college I felt like I'd already like wild out like I'd already mm-hmm. done all that other stuff right and you know I know a lot of people have been hurt by church and a lot of people you know are distrustful distrustful of it all but for me it it was just like he's like my best friend now and like I need a friend um and I was bullied um when I when I got to America and for a good chunk of my like adolescent life and so to have somebody that I could be like you're my friend like you won't leave me you'll actually like help me be a, a better version of myself that kind of it spoke to me and even just where I am uh, in the industry it's only because of God like I I would not be in this industry if I did not have my faith because I I got my master's in public health I worked in Liberia and I was stalling I was stalling to try and tell my parents that I wasn't going to med school and I uh, my brother asked me to enter a pageant and I was like okay I'm, I'm free on Saturday sure why not and I remember being like it's two weeks out, God, I don't have I like I don't have a talent. I'm not tribal dancing on stage, and I'm not playing the piano. Like I'm like I can't do any of this. And I heard Holy Spirit say, "Do comedy." I'd never done comedy before. I literally had just finished getting bullied, so I responded. I was like, "No," I was like, "I'm not doing comedy. That makes no sense. Like I've never done this before." And so God said again, "Well, what else do you have?" That started me on my journey into entertainment. Just being in the role of comedy, I think that a lot of people think you know, a typical comedian is a man mm-hmm. who gets up there and is focused on sex and, you know, is cursing. Yeah. How do you, how do you sort of walk that line um, and sort of be true to your faith? Yeah. Well, one, um, I can't, I can't tell any sex jokes or blue jokes because I haven't had sex and I'm waiting until I get married, which is, you know, something I'm very like vocal about. And I don't curse like in my real life. So it's just like, I now have to make sure that my humor is that much more clever. So I talk a lot about, like, my family, and I talk a lot about, like, and mind you, just because I'm Christian, I don't do, like, Jesus or Mary jokes, but I know, like, my brand of humor is more uplifting. Like, it's more, like, let's be, I'm, like, I'm not negative. I'm not, like, necessarily, like, bashing anybody for the sake of bashing. You know, like, comedy can be a little, like, 
uh, this is a lot, guys. Like I feel abused by this comedian on stage. Like I'm not, I'm not that person. Like I, I don't, I don't do that in my regular life, and I wouldn't do that from the stage. Do you find the super filthy stuff? Offensive? Do you find it funny? Where do you? It's funny because when I when I lived in New York, I used to host a comedy show called My Mind Made It, and I made it like uh, it was a clean comedy show. A lot of times, comedians rely on the curse word to be the the joke. I was like, it should never be the joke. It maybe heighten it, but it should never be the punchline. And so I would see them perform it. My Mind Made It, and it would be hysterical. I would go see them again at another place where they could curse. And it just felt so watered down. Well, I mean, have you ever found with your work that you've had to sort of ever compromise? Or have you ever had to face any sort of conflicts choosing between your faith and, and a professional opportunity? For me, like, they're non-negotiables, right? And even, like, with the character I play um, on Insecure, you know, the, you know, there was an article that came out, like, you know, how are you able to, like, do these sex things knowing that you're a virgin? And for me, before I took um, the job, you know, I, I, you know, I read the script and then I read the breakdown and, you know, I knew knew that like money was sexually free but it it would it didn't say like nudity a must or something like if it said nudity a must i probably would have been like mm, okay well let's let's talk about this or is there like a way to circumvent this and if it's like no it's then i probably i honestly probably wouldn't have applied for it right but you know like but even with that it's like okay so hey guys this is what i'm comfortable comfortable with you know talk with the directors like okay hey in the scene and, and, and then everyone gets involved because then like wardrobe gets involved and it's like okay can we give her a skirt so that when they're doing the scene they can just hike it up and then we won't really see too much and so it's like everyone kind of working together to achieve what the end goal is but also protecting the brand can you tell me just about your personal life and sort of how religion may or may not have affected that and how that kind of plays into it I'm not going to like impose on you like if you're like I really like you but I just can't get past this no sex thing then that's fine you don't like me enough for me I'm very aware that I'm not everybody's cup of tea and that's fine I only need to be one person's cup of tea is that something that you're very um, explicit about on first dates what's what's the conversation like when you're um, when you're meeting someone new it all depends on where the conversation goes right like it's not like I'm putting on my makeup like all right so around the appetizer I'm gonna tell him you know cause like I don't, I don't want cause I don't want to disrespect the dude for him to be like do you think that's the only, the only thing I want and, and cause that's very disrespectful to be like by the way I just wanna let you know I'm a virgin it's like I just wanted to have chicken wings with you, but now this is awkward. Well, thank you for telling me. You know, like, that's awkward as crap. So I just I just let the situation happen. Is there anything that, anything you'd love to tell me that I, that I haven't <laughs> asked you or that sort of relates to, you know, your, your work and your faith and, and where those meet? You know, I think one thing that I do recognize is that a lot of people have been let down by religion. A lot of people have been let down by church and by faith. And I think as you know, believers and as people who, you know, have, still have the faith. I think it's important to recognize the hurts and, and, and hear people out and like actually love people without judging because you don't know what everyone's backstory is. Yeah. Well, I think one thing that really, that does really stand out to me. And I think anyone, no matter what they believe or if they don't believe in anything that, that you don't have to compromise on, you know, what you stand for, you know? And I think that you can head into your professional life and and still hold on to those things and, and be that yeah and whatever whatever that looks like for you 
that like that's what you're it's supposed to look like. Play your position. God doesn't forget. And whatever is going to be for you, it will be your level of good that it's supposed to be. Thank you so much. No problem. <laughs> Thank you. It's Thanks been so nice me. to talk to you. It's been a pleasure. Thank yeah. you. Man. I, I love that I get to have this like conversation. Like so yeah, this is this is an amazing opportunity and thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to 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 share freely. I loved how personal her relationship is with God. I think that when I was growing up, God to me was very unknowable, which I also liked, I think, like the idea that to try to perceive God was already trying to humanize God in a way. And God was not human. Like that was, the you know, obviously as a human, I'm going to try to make God a human and a bud. But I sort of enjoyed the idea that he was – and I'm using he. I mean it could be she. It's just a thing mm. that it was – much bigger than me and unknowable. And that was sort of the magic and the mystery of it. Um, but I also really enjoy the idea that a God could be a friend um, and a God could help you in a way that feels much more personal, like a buddy and yeah, less like help you like a too. father or a figure right. that's sort of looking down over you. And casting judgment in a way. Yeah. yeah. I loved how she said, particularly when she talked about you know, her awful experience of being bullied, that she had a buddy. She had someone in her corner when she had no one else. And mm-hmm. I thought that was, I appreciated that. I thought that was really cool too. And I think it's especially interesting in the context of, it made me think actually about uh, the woman at Women of the Year who talked about her work wife, weirdly. Oh, yes. And how she said that her work wife was somebody that she could sort of run things past, like her presentations or things that she mm-hmm. wanted to do. And I was like, oh, like, God's like a great work wife. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, you're like, all right, we're going wife. out on stage. We're going to give this presentation. We're going to get through it together. <laughs> oh, my gosh, that's so cute. The ultimate work wife. Oh, my gosh, that's really cute. I also thought it was really interesting that she pointed out that she's, in a, she's a Christian comedian in a field where her values are almost antithetical to what we consider good comedy. True. Like, you've just got to say fuck a lot. You've got to talk about fucking a lot. And she doesn't do either of those mm-hmm. things. And so she's almost had to find, a, like, a new, not a new way to be funny, but she's had to kind of really forge her own path in, in comedy. Mm-hmm. And it's made her more, arguably, a more unique comic. One of the things that, you know, we talk the most about at Glamour is being authentic and prizing your most authentic self. And I think it says a lot that Yvonne's most authentic self is a Christian self. Um, And that means that by being true to herself and her own values, you know, it changes what she does in her job, uh, which is, you know, not cursing or not using, not falling into a lot of typical comedy tropes. And that's pretty fucking cool. I agree. And I hope we live in a world where that's where we can make room for that more often than not. And I'm sorry that I cursed in that part. Work Wives is produced by Ben Riskin and Acast. Our associate producer, Katiri Benjamin, keeps the ship afloat. And we have production support from the whole staff at Glamour, including Anna Maysline, Lizzie Logan, and Simone Kitchens. And we're recorded right here at Condé Nast Studio in NYC.